This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So, last week's parasha was the machlokas of Korach and Moshe Rabbeinu. Actually, Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't involved in the machlokas. It was really a one-way machlokas. He wasn't looking for machlokas at all. Machlokas usually means an argument between two people. The machlokas of, it was really Kairach against Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't, wasn't really having a machlokas with Kairach. Now, very interesting. Machlokas means, comes from the word cholak, to divide, the division. Machlokas divides, you know, there, you take sides. When, when you take sides, taking sides, that's division. When was the first time that there was division in the world? The first time that there was division in the world was on the second day of creation. On the second day of creation, says the following. What, second day of creation? Yeah. What? A new what? Sun and moon. Sun and moon. Oh, no, no, no. Water, water, water. Vayom Elohim. There's going to be a sky. Kia is a sky. In the water. And it's going to be mavdil. It's going to separate between the waters above, the heavens, and the waters below, what we have here on earth. And Hashem made the heavens, and He separated between the water. That was underneath the Rikia. Doesn't say on the second day, right? Doesn't say what it says, every day, doesn't say that, um, that Hashem saw that it was good. On the first day it says, on the third day, we know it says Kitov twice. That's why Tuesday is a Mazel day. If you move, and then again it says Vayalakim. If you move into a new house, it's supposed to move on Tuesday. Tuesday is a, a Mazel day. But um, on the fourth day, Ben Choshech, Ben Ha'ar, Vayalakim Kitov. So um, on the second day, since it was the first time that there was a Machlokas, there was a separation between two things, water was separated, the actual water was separated from each other, so therefore, even though of course it was part of creation, but Hashem didn't write the word Kitai, because it was the first time ever that something was separated. Um, now, okay, it's a little hard to understand, it says in the first day also, Yavdel Kim bin Or bin um, that there was a, but that was a separation. There was this, this, there's a separation. There's day, and then there's and there's light, and then there's day. Here, Hashem actually took the water itself, right? As as it says over here, He took the water and he separated it. And the water in Shemayim is not connected to the water in Ar. It's only when it rains. Different shear, different thought. Mikvah, it's a connection also. Um, so it also brings down that Gehenim, everyone knows what Gehenim is here, right? Gehenim um, is the prefix to the word hello, because I don't know what I'm talking any time which word I'm allowed to use. <laughs> so it's, the, it's hello without the O, um, right? So that's what Gehenim is. And Gehenim was created on the second day of creation. So Rav Shem Shem Pinkus in one of his shiurim says 
that it makes sense that Gehenim was created on the same day that it doesn't say Kitaiv. And I think that's also brought down another reason that's not, it doesn't say Kitaiv is because Gehenim was created on that day. And, and I'm not sure that was the reason, but I think I might have seen that once. But Gehenim, right, was created on that day. And therefore he says, very interesting, that when you when you when you're when you're when you're jealous, and that was my share last week to the girls and my share last night, the fire that you feel when you somebody says something to you that you don't like, when you want to get into an argument, you want to get into a fight, so you get that like that heat going up the back of your neck, you know, and you get all flushed because it's time to fight, that fire comes from Gehenna. The fire that a person feels when he wants to get into a fight, you should know that when you fight with someone, you're bringing Gehenna down to this world. The Zoyar, I forgot all my Svarim at home, but the Zoyar in Pasha's Korach says that Shabbos brings Shalom to the world. Shabbos is what brings peace to the world, sort of unites the, the, the two worlds, because Shabbos is me'en olam haba, right? Shabbos is me'en olam haba, which means it's like part of olam haba. Shabbos is me'en olam haba. And we're on olam hazeh. So how do you connect the two worlds, olam haba and olam hazeh? How do you make shalom between earth, between the physical world and the spiritual world? That's Shabbos. Sh- what's wrong? It's not working? Sorry. One second, we have technical difficulties. One second, our technician is working on it. Okay. We're good? Baruch Hashem. So, the, the shalom, the peace between, and I, I have a little insight on this, the peace between our world and the upper world is Shabbos. That's why it's called Me'en Olam Haba. And, and that's why on Shabbos, you have both. You have eating and sleeping, right? Shayna B'Shabbos. And Shein of Shabbos is machlekes. It means sleeping or learning, or both. And they and, and they end up poskening that Shein of Shabbos means you should sleep on Shabbos, and that's why we dive in a little bit later. And Shein also means to learn. You should learn on Shabbos. So Shabbos is a connection um, between Olam, that world and this world, and that's why it's called Me'ain Olam Haba. We sing Me'ain Olam Haba. It's like Olam Haba. I feel that that. One of the reasons that, okay, um, I have to try to explain this to you before I explain it to you. One, one of the, when, when, when a person does a sin, um, he disconnects. In every person, okay, in every human being, there is Shemayim and Aretz. There are two things going on in you. There's, there's Aretz, which is your physical body, your physical needs, you're eating, you're drinking, you're, you're, uh, sleeping, you're going to the bathroom, right? That's your Aretz. And then there's a, there's a part of each one of us that's Shemayim, and that's your, your emotions, your feelings, um, your learning, right? That's, that's Shemayim. And, and Avera disconnects your Shemayim and your Aretz. It's sort of like a bridge. That there's a big earthquake and it just cracks down and then there's no connection. So, so that's why Avera Gurus Avera. Mitzvah reconnects, the, reconnects the two. So there is a mavdil, there is a, there's, and sometimes you meet, you know, I meet kids where, where they're very spiritual, they're very spiritual, 
Um, but their spirituality is disconnected. I, I'm, I'm trying to explain. It's not so easy to explain what I'm, what I'm trying to say. Their, their spirituality is disconnected from their physical body. In other words, I can meet a kid or a person who, like, after you talk to him, like, whoa, this guy is so spiritual. You know, he just has a high neshama. He's very spiritual. On the other hand, he's doing every sin that you can imagine. My high, how could that be? So it's sort of like the bridge is broken between the two, and there's like a disconnection. And, and mitzvos are the connection, the, the bridge between the human body, the, the animal, and the, the, the arets and the, and the shemaim. That's what a mitzvah is. A mitzvah is the bridge. You're building bridges between your shemaim and arets. And a mitzvah is mitzvah and a mitzvah. So, so sort of the satan is like the enemy. And in the old army pictures, that when I was growing up, you know, before I got rid of my television. So, so, uh, in the old army pictures, they would send in the rangers. The first thing they were told to do is blow up all the bridges. Because if you blow up all the bridges, then the then the the army is gets disconnected from the homeland. They can't they can't get back. They can't go back and forth. And they're sort of stuck between all this water. And then you can just bomb them, you know. And they have nowhere. To, they can't go anywhere. So there's a famous saying: Don't burn your bridges, because if you burn your bridges, you you get disconnected. So an avera, which means avera gares avera, an avera breaks those bridges between the between the connection of the human body and the human soul. And the more avera you do the more it's broken. My little insight into addiction. Um, choice, Bechira, is spirituality. I have a choice. They say no. I, I, don't, I don't want to go to the party. I don't want to do this. I don't, that's, that's not physical. That's spiritual. Yes and no. Choice is a spiritual thing. Addiction Right? Addiction is when you don't have any more choice. Even though you you do have choice because you're a human being, you're not a monkey. Because you're addicted to to liquor, to alcohol, doesn't mean you became a monkey. Doesn't mean you became a skunk. Doesn't mean you became a goldfish. Right? You're still a human being. And you may be able to make choices in other things. You can pick colors. Uh, you can pick your favorite drink. You can pick everything. But you can't, you have no choice when it comes to alcohol. Why? Because the the person that drinks the alcohol or smokes the cigarette or does the drugs, whatever whatever he's addicted to, he can be addicted to a lot of things, right? They are their addiction is breaking that connection between their their spirit and their physical body. And therefore once that bridge is broken, you no longer are connected. And if you're not connected, your physical body is no longer connected to your spiritual body, you can't make choices. And you can't make the right choices. I'm talking very deep stuff here. I'm trying to bring it to the table, you know, to a level that we can understand what I'm saying, that I can understand what I'm saying. Um, but, and, and, and that's why when a person makes the wrong choices over and over and over, says the Rambam, you lose your choice. Because you're continuously breaking that bridge and breaking that bridge and there's another lane going down and another lane going down and all of a sudden there's no more, there's no more bridge between the, the the spirit that could say no, this is wrong, and the body that says yes, I want this, and 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 we know that the body and the spirit are are connected at birth, and and they have to work together, and they're they're not supposed to work against each other, and and, and therefore, when people think that I do one avera, ah, big deal, I'm just doing this, I'm doing this, not going to lead to anything, you just blew up your bridge, 
Now you might now now you might have a bridge on the other side to get out. You understand? But if you blow up that bridge and you blow up this bridge and you blow up the one in the north and the east, the west and the south, all of a sudden you're stuck in the middle and you can't go anywhere. Guess what? You're addicted. You're addicted, and therefore you don't have a choice anymore. So you need to build new bridges. And how do how does one build new bridges? By by uh, you know they're called pontoons. It's like by they're not the same bridges, but by doing mitzvahs, by getting you back into mitzvahs. But it's very hard. To step out of the Avera and to start and to start doing the mitzvahs, this is all havdalah. This is all, and and Shabbos is like the is like the the army unit that um, goes in there and and makes these bridges across the water whenever the army needs to get across the water. The tanks, Israelis have like a very crack unit where they're able to go and they drop these bridges one, two, three, and it's a technical group and whatever it is, and and like they can have a tank rolling across a river. Like in ten minutes, build a bridge in ten minutes, and and Shabbos is that bridge. Shabbos is the bridge between Chol and Kodesh, and and I think that's why today, more than ever, um, kids are being Machal Shabbos. When when I was growing up, if you wanted to do an Avera and and and, and you had a list, and the Sultan came to you and said you could do any Avera on this list. Not one of our, not one of the guys that I grew up with would have picked Shabbos. A lot of other things they picked. But, you know, cheeseburger, a girl, Shabbos, Shabbos is great. You go to Shul, you talk to your friends, you go to this guy for chillin', you go for that guy for chillin', and then you have yourself a cold beer, right? You slept 12 hours Friday night. You know, and then when you finish eating all that chillin', you read a book, you go back to sleep, you wake up, now you have shallow shooters, you know, you have a, a bagel with cream cheese, if it's you waiting six hours, it's six hours, and some locks, and you sit around, you sing a couple of songs, like, why would I want to break Shabbos, Rabbi, what's wrong with you? Right? Nobody wants to break, all of a sudden now, right, you have kids from religious homes, and they're texting on Shabbos. This is how they're breaking Shabbos. They're texting on Shabbos. I asked a couple of girls I was talking to. I said, "Like you're religious, yeah? Did you keep Shabbos?" I'm like, "What does that mean?" They're like, "Well, I text on Shabbos." I'm like, "That's Chilul Shabbos." Yeah, but a lot of my, we, it's not really. You know, it's like texting. It's not like really. It's not. Like, so I'm like, "Why? Why? Why? Why?" It's not, it's not like, why would you text on Shabbos? Like, what's the, what's the, what's the taiva? What's the like, whoa, right? And the, and the answer is that the Satan understands that Shabbos is the biggest bridge of all, says the Zayar. And if he breaks down your Shabbos, guys, if you're not, if you don't keep Shabbos, and he breaks down that bridge, then the bridge between your week, what's your week? Your week is six days of chal, right? Working, eating, right? Six days of chol. Shabbos is your shemaim. You don't have shemaim. Well, most people don't have that much shemaim during the week, right? You go to shul, till and off, till and on. You're out of there. You know, 18 minutes, 19 minutes, mincha, 12 minutes, of six minutes. You know, you're not you're not that spiritual during the week, right? It's all about eating and sleeping and working and college, whatever you're doing. Shabbos, it's about it's about Putting your spirit together with your physical world. So the Yitzhahara figured out that if we, if we have kids being Machal Shabbos, then during the week they have no bridge. Shabbos, they broke their bridge. From, what's gonna happen? What happens? Matzi Shabbos, since they didn't have that bridge on Shabbos, 
Matzah Shabbos is party time all over the place. Boys and girls and drugs and hanging out. And the worst night of the week for kids at risk and including all of us in this room, the night of Avera, the night that you go to the movies, the night that you go to the party, the night that you go to the club, is Matzah Shabbos. Why? Why not Sunday night? Matzah Shabbos, you're up a whole night. Even, forget about kids at risk, even adults, right? You go to this place, and you go to the movies, then you go to for pizza, then you hang out and talk. You come home at 4.30 in the morning. What's going on over here? What's, what's with Matzah Shabbos? What? Because you don't work on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, well, I got news for you. I don't want to say any Lashon Hara, but in Eretz Yisrael, where they do work on Sunday, Matzah Shabbos is still the big night. So it's not Tully and Sunday. That's not what it's about. I don't know about Thursday night. Arab Shabbos. It all surrounds Shabbos. After Shabbos, before Shabbos. It all surrounds Shabbos. Shabbos, so, so the Zoya says, listen, I'm going to tell you something really blew my mind. So the Zoya says that Shabbos is the Shalom, the big bridge between physical and spiritual. Since Korach made, did a, uh, had a machlekes with Moshe Rabbeinu and he tried to split up Klai Yisrael. So Korach represents, if you're talking about machlokas, you're talking about fighting, Korach represents the big fight. So Korach was the only human being ever to go to Gehenna alive. Because since Gehenna was created on the second day, Gehenna represents Machlaikas. The fires of Gehenna is when you when you get hot and you're in a fight and you're like angry that comes straight from Gehenna. So when Korach was in this pure, unadulterated Machlaikas with Moshe Rabbeinu, he was part of Gehenna. So Hashem said, he's part of Gehenna, put it back in Gehenna. He doesn't have to die first, and his soul should go to Gehenna. His body and his soul were as one in Machokas in Gehenna. And that's why he went alive to Gehenna. And that answers, boys, why on Shabbos, Gehenna is closed. There's no fire in Gehenna on Shabbos. Why not? Hashem, put the fire in Gehenna on the Shabbos clock. Right? You can leave, you can leave, you can leave your fire on a Chavez, on your oven. You put a black on. Hashem, turn on the fire in Gehenna, and don't turn it off. Why is the fire in Gehenna off on, on Chavez? And the answer is, because Shabbos represents Shalom. And where there's Shalom, there's no Machlekes. Where there's no Machlekes, there's no Gehenna. And that's why there's no Gehenna on Chavez. Because on Chavez, there's Shalom. I heard two sides. I never got a chance to really look into it. I heard that even for Rishayim, there's no fire in Gehenna on Shabbos. But I heard also that people who are not, don't keep Shabbos, they do have a Gehenna on Shabbos. But then I saw somewhere, I think it was Rav Chaim Vital, that nobody, no being in the world has Gehenna on Shabbos. Nobody. That's how Kaddish, how holy Shabbos is. So we all have to think to ourselves, like, Maybe to upgrade our Shabbos, like our cell phones. Maybe to upgrade our Shabbos a little bit. And make sure that it's not all, that it's not all physical. It's not just eating and sleeping and eating and sleeping. But it's that we bridge the, the Shabbos, we bridge the two together. Okay. Um, this week's parasha, which is parasha's chukas, 
So there's something that I always speak about, which I think is um, very, very important, and that is, I need a sitter also if you have a sitter. Um, oh, I'm out of everything. Okay, beautiful. So and that is the the first Rashi in Pasha's Kukas. Very hard to understand this Rashi. And I'd like to talk a little bit more about it this year. It says like this. And then we'll talk about Michael Jackson. <laughs> Michael Jackson, we're going to talk about a little bit because there's a mission in Pirkei Elvis about him. We're going to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> yep, there's a mission about him. And Yeah, okay. The mission says, if you see a person who's wearing a white glove, no, okay, anyway. So, <laughs> so it says like this. No, the puzzle says like this. In Pasuk Bays. Zeis kukas Hashem leimah. A choik, a choik is something that we don't understand the reason for. There are mitzvahs in the Torah that we understand. There are mitzvahs in the Torah we don't understand. I saw in the time of Hagim, he gives a reason for shotness. He says shotness is wool and linen. And the reason we don't wear shotness, it's time in Hagim, the reason we don't wear shotness is because Kayin brought a carbon from flax. Hevel brought a carbon from a lamb. The lamb had wool, the flax is linen, and therefore, when you put flax, which is linen, and wool together, it brings a kitrug from the fight of Cain and Havel. We don't want to bring that back into the world. So, he brings, now, there are many mandyarim that say even these reasons are not really the real reasons. Just for human beings. Sometimes, as humans, we need to have reasons for things, you know? We come up with all these reasons. But really, everything, a lot, a lot of the myths in the Torah are, are, are chukim. Like, you know, you say to me, right, Wallstein, Killing, not killing another person, right? Not killing another person. That's not a chayk, right? One of the one of the ten commands. You're not allowed to kill another person. If I, if I ask anyone in the room, is that a mitzvah you understand? You're going to say, sure. Of course, you're not allowed to kill another person. I don't understand that mitzvah because let's think about this for a second. In the Amazon, there are cannibals. Cannibals are people who eat people. Scary, right? There's a whole story about a plane that crashed. Ever hear that story? And then, and, and a lot of people died and some were alive and they were starving. They ate the other people. Right? It's called cannibalism. Yeah, yeah. One day I got onto a plane right after that movie came out. There was a movie where this plane crashed and, and never, most people got killed. There were some people left. They had nothing to eat. So they were eating the other people. Disgusting, right? But they needed to live. So, so, like two weeks after that I got onto a plane and this guy sits down next to me, this big guy, and he says, you're Jewish, right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, good, I'm also Jewish. I'm like, oh, very nice. Not wearing a yarmulke or anything. I said, like, okay, yeah, you're happy to sit next to me. I'm happy to sit next to you. He goes, no, did you see that movie about that plane that crashed? And he ate it. I said, no, I didn't see the movie, but I heard about it. He goes, good, you're sitting next to me. At least I know if something happens, I have kosher food. <laughs> <laughs> so me being Rabbi Wallerstein, took one look at him and said, I think I got the better part of this deal. Because <laughs> he was like 250 pounds and I was like 180 pounds. I'm like, we'll see who, you know, we'll see what happens. But I think I got the better part of this deal. All right. Anyway, so it's very funny, but it happens to be a very sad story what happened over there. Um, it's a true story. So there's a thing called cannibalism. Now, cannibalism, they think that, you know, if you ever had an interview with a cannibal, I don't think any of you had, right, interview with Hannibal the cannibal, but... But a cannibal, if you go to, to the Amazon, he'll tell you, you guys are not civilized. We're civilized. You see, we only eat people. We only kill people 
you know, it's a famous joke, you know. When a guy comes into a village and he comes to the village of cannibals, he says, what's for lunch? And they're like, you. Okay, whatever. So, so that's, that's a rabbi joke. It didn't get anywhere. I only kill people for food. He says, you guys, you know, of course, even cannibals out in the, in the, in the Amazon jungle have, uh, they have to have a dish, right? You know, it's funny, I was in Eretz Yisrael not that long ago, and I'm going through the Judean desert, and you have these um, Druze that are out there in tents, right? They don't, have, they don't even have, like, electricity. They live out there in the, in the Judean desert, in these black tents with goats and camels, right? And a dish. It's a big satellite dish. You understand? They have no electricity, they have no light, but you got the whole Arab family sitting out in the middle of the desert watching, you know, Oprah. I don't know what they're watching, whatever they're watching. Right? I don't know what they're watching, right? So, so... So these guys, these cannibals in the Amazon, they got their dish, right? And, and, and they're watching the news. They're watching CNN. And they're watching the Americans invade Iraq. And there's bombs and blowing up people. And, you know, we killed 10,000 soldiers today. And the cannibals are all sitting there. I'm like, amazing. 10,000 humans. We can all eat for like the next 200 years. <laughs> And they're like, you eat those, you eat those people that you kill for sure, right? And I'm like, no. I mean, you just blow them up. Then what do you do with them? Like, what do you do with the parts? We bury them. Are you crazy? You kill them to bury them? And we're savages? We eat them. You're, you're, you're savages. We're civilized. So, you're saying, oh, disgusting. They're saying, we're, oh, you just kill, you just, just kill people for land? You blow them up? You burn them up? You kill them for land? You guys are disgusting. You're out of your minds. We are civilized. Lions kill, you know, kill deer. We don't, we don't, we only kill to eat. So even the things that we think that I, that we understand, the only reason we understand it is because HaKash Baruch Hu put that in the Torah and made it a mitzvah. If it wasn't in the Torah that you're not allowed to kill, it's very possible that we would be eating each other. And, and, and human sacrifice, right, which to us is like the most disgusting thing in the times of, of Molech. Forget the times of Molech. If you learned anything about the Aztecs and the Incas in Florida, right, they used to do human sacrifice. To, to us, that's absolutely crazy. You know why? Because we have a Torah and, and, and we have mitzvahs. And why are you staring at him? He's fine. Don't worry about it. So, if it's not in the Torah... Then, then there, there, there is no such thing as mishpat, as understanding a mitzvah. I can argue anything you'll show me, that, and, and, and I can make it right. And you see that today, pretty much human beings can make, can make anything right, and make everything right. So, the Torah, the reason we're not allowed to kill somebody, because it says in the Torah, if the Torah would say that you could kill people, then guess what? We would all be cannibals. And, and the whole world would be cannibals. And there were used to be a lot of cannibals. But cannibalism was a very big thing. So, so everything is really a chayk. But, but there are certain things that God gave us that we can't understand. This mitzvah in Chukas of the paraduma, the red heifer, right? The cow that can't have more than two black or white hairs. This mitzvah is very hard to understand. Now, this is what Rashi says. And this is a very hard Rashi to say. Rashi says the following. Take a paraduma, a red heifer, a red cow. They never had a moon, they never had a, a yoke. Says Rashi. 
Because the Satan and all the Goyim, they bother us. Leim was saying, What is this mitzvah with the red cow? And what reason does it have? For me, Xera, you're not allowed to think about this mitzvah. Now, I'll just give you an example. You know, I was supposed to go to India last week. I didn't go to India, Baruch Hashem. I didn't go to India. But, but, but just to give you an understanding, but my salesperson went to India. And she said that there are cows, right, that go across the street, and if the cow decides to stop in the middle of the street on a superhighway, well, they don't have superhighways, but whatever you call those roads, right, and you're not allowed to get out of your car and give it a kick or give it a push, you're not allowed to beep. Because the cow is their god. So he said, she said that you could sit two hours in a car with thousands of cars piled up on this road waiting for that big moo, that big moo-moo, right, that big cow, to move. Mishugam. They're out of their minds, right? And if the cow decides to make in the middle of the street, you are not allowed to clean it up. The manure is holy. Holy manure. Now, now you're all sitting here and you're saying, ha, ha, ha. Meanwhile, those Hindus, those people who are talking about, who, who respect this cow, who bow down to this cow, when you call American Express to get something done on your card, they answer. They're not stupid people. They're doing all the technology for the United States. When you call Dell Computer and you need help, it goes to India. When you call Hewlett Packard, it goes to India. When you call any credit card, now, right now, you pick up and you have a problem on your credit card. They will talk like this. <laughs> it goes to India. So, we're not talking about a bunch of savage idiots. We're talking about English-speaking, intelligent people. You are going to sit in a car and wait two hours for a cow? Try and put a cow on the FDR drive. <laughs> and you watch how many New Yorkers are going to sit in their car. Oh, we can't beep. That cow, right, is on a burger deluxe within 15 minutes in New York. You'll have 20 guys out there slicing that thing up, putting a grill on the side, halal meat with a little thing. Okay, that's it. Shish kebab. But in India... It's the holy cow. You can't do anything. So, so what's, what's wrong with them? Are they crazy? Are they out of their minds? They think we're out of our minds. You actually took my God and you made a sandwich out of it? You guys are crazy. You're going to end up burning forever. You, you eat our God instead of... So, so you have to understand that what we think is normal, it's only the way, the only reason we think it's normal, because Baruch Hashem, we have Jewish souls and we have a Jewish religion. I am sure that when the guy look at our religion, they think we're, they think we're not normal. You know, they, when they, they, they see me, they, what do you see, a malach? What are you looking at? Is a malach behind me? What, is a malach behind me? Okay. Oh, the battery's low. See, there's a lot of stuff going on here today. Anyway, uh, one time I was on a plane, you know, I had my tits out. So, one of the stewardesses was like very um, curious. So she said to me, can I ask you a question? Uh, what's those strings? So, I, I, you know, are you going to start explaining to him? 
right? Right now, I'm thinking, you know, so I, Baruch Hashem, Hashem sent me the right, the right thought. I said, yeah, Jews, we're Jews with strings attached. Ha ha ha. It was very funny. So she laughed. She said, no, really, what are they for? I'm like, it's a very involved thing, whatever it is. I didn't get into, I didn't get, so they, they think we're out of our minds, strings and a cap and, 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 and you know, they, if they see you putting on tefillin, because to us, what we do, that we have from the Torah, that's what's normal to us. So, what is going on in this Rashi? Rashi is telling us over here that the sata. What do you need? Which battery? Which wire? It's done. And the Umas Ailam, right, bother all of us about the Paraduma. I know that there are a lot of guys in this room right now, including myself, the Satan comes to me with all kinds of questions and all kinds of crazy ideas. Did anyone in this room ever been approached by the Satan in your mind, in your consciousness, and say to you, Chaim, what's up with that Paraduma? I don't think anyone in this room ever had the Satan in his mind ask him, why do you guys have a Paraduma? They ask us a lot of other questions, but what's this Rashi talking about? When was the last time a non-Jew walked up to you and said, Hey, Jew, what is up with you guys? You guys are nuts. Why do you think Jews are nuts? Because you have a red cow. No. They'll tell you other reasons they think we're nuts. But, so, so what's this question telling us? And Hashem said, Hashem said, Gezeira. It's a Gezeira. I, 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 it's a Gezeira. I'm warning you. Don't you think about this red cow. What are you talking about? That's what God's worried about? God's worried about that I'm going to think about a red cow? I don't really think about red cows. It's not one of the things I do. So what is this Rashi talking about? This Rashi is very deep. And this Rashi is very important. And it's very connected to my shir that I gave two weeks ago. Rashi is saying like this. Something couldn't kill us. But your red cow. The guy even don't even know that we have a red cow. What's going on over here? What is the choik of the paraduma? All the karbanos, right? There are a lot of other karbanos. What is the thing that we don't understand about the paraduma? The halacha, the law of the paraduma is they take this cow and they burn it and they take the ashes and they mix it with azov grass and water, whatever it is. And when a person is tame, right, impure, they take it, these ashes and they sprinkle it on the person that's impure. What happens? The person who is impure becomes pure. And the Kohen, who takes the ashes and sprinkles it on that person, he becomes impure. So, what's happening here is, that the guy who's good, the guy who's pure, becomes impure. And the guy who's bad, who's impure, becomes pure. As Israelis would say, Zelofer. If the... it's, it's like a madach. I don't know, you know, I don't know how to say kalbachoyim in, in English. Surely, surely if the ashes that I sprinkle on the tame person has the power to make the tame person tahar pure, surely those ashes can't make me tame. Logically, everyone in this room, again, if these, if, if, if this medicine can make the 
health the sick person healthy, then surely it can't make the healthy person sick. Right? Now, there are medicines that you might argue with that, I mean, right? Because if you're healthy, you don't need it. But, 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 Tumma and Tahar is not on that, is on, is on a higher level. So if, if I'm handling something that's Tahar, that's making the Tumma Tahar, how's it making me Tumma? And also, it's not fair. I'm a coin, I'm a good guy. I want to do, I want, I want to work in the base I make dash. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you. And by helping you, I'm gonna become impure. So it looks like that God is extremely not fair. That the guy, that guy who's helping the other guy, he ends up becoming Tomei, and the guy he's helping ends up becoming Tar. It's like, imagine if I would tell you that if you do mouth-to-mouth resuscitation with someone, right, the, the price for doing mouth-to-mouth is he, he's going to live and you're going to die. You'd say, what, are you crazy? <laughs> I'm not going to do mouth-to-mouth, number one. And number two, how's that fair? So the Paraduma is the only mitzvah that does this. The paraduma takes the bad person and makes him good. It's not, not bad. It takes the impure person and makes him pure. And takes the pure person and makes him impure. And that's very hard to understand. But Goyim don't know this. And the Satan doesn't bother us about this. I don't think anyone in this room ever had the question that I'm asking right now. Why does the Goyim become Tomei and the president become Tar? So, so what is this Rashi talking about? If you take this, what we just learned, and you move it over to the side, it translates into everyday life. It translates into the question that Moshe Rabbeinu asked. Why do bad things happen to good people? And good things happen to bad people. You know, a guy came over to me the other day and he said, this person that he knows died, this person was a tzaddik. He said, Rolfstein, I'm not worried about dying young. I'm like, why not? He says, God only takes the good ones. <laughs> I, I'm on purpose not going to be good. Because I want to live long. That's what he told me. It's a big question. God takes the good ones. Why? They have so much more to do here. And, 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 just, just, uh, uh, whatever. I don't want to get into the whole story, but it's just a story where they found this baby in a trash can. Um, a non-Jewish person, whatever it is, whatever, they found this baby in a trash can. And this young teenage girl, she was maybe 15 years old, had this baby and didn't want her parents to know, whatever. I don't know how she hid it for nine months, whatever it was. I don't know exactly the story, but whatever it is, she did hide it. And she left the baby in the trash can. And they, and they, were, they arrested her. And, and I'm thinking to myself, you know how many people come to me and to, uh, for schoolos? Do I know a rabbi that, that knows the daduim and the haze and all this? And they're trying to have children for 10, 12 years and they can't have children. This girl didn't want to have children and she's having children in a trash can. Good happening to the bad, bad happening to the good. You know, like, like what's going on over here? This guy, this guy has a store open on Shabbos. He's making millions. This guy's keeping Shabbos. He doesn't have what to eat. This girl's doing everything that you can imagine wrong. She gets married. She's got three kids. This girl's at Sadekista. It's already 15 years she's dating. She has no kids. She has, she's, she's not married. So when you start to look into the world and you start to see what's going on in the world, you start to have a lot of questions. You see a lot of good happening to bad people and you see a lot of bad happening to good people. Now, when you go to any rabbi or rebbe and you ask this question, right, and you're like, I don't understand. Like, why do good people 
You don't have bad things happening, and bad people having good things happening. So the most of the answers you'll get is you don't have the whole picture. You don't have the whole picture. What looks bad to you, what looks bad to you is really good. And I always tell the story how I had this business thing that I was going after, and I told my father to pray for me, and I told him to go to the hotel, and I was after this company for years, and it was a $5 million order. It was my dream. I was going to get tzedakah. I was going to, you know, it's, it's like, you're always giving tzedakah when you don't have money. <laughs> you don't have money, guys give millions, millions. Oh, God, if you give me a million, I'll give 500000 If you have a million, you don't, you don't give nothing. But when you don't have money, you know, it's like the guy in the boat. The boat sinks, and he's, and he's out there in the water, and he's floundering. And he's like, God, I promise you, if you save me, I'll give you all the money that I have. And all of a sudden, this piece of wood from the boat floats by, and he jumps on it. And like, now he has a chance that he might, he might make it. It's still going to be not good, but he, may, he might make it. So he's like, God, if I give you 100% of my money, then, then how am I going to live? What's the use of saving me? Right? So God, 75-25. I'll take 25, you get 75. Good deal. Right? Next morning, he's floating on this wood, right? Next morning, sun comes up. There's an island. Not that far. He's like, God, 75-25, that's not fair. We're partners. Come on. 50-50? I hear 50-50. You saved me 50-50. Anyway, everyone knows the whole story. And then he gets much closer to the, you know, he sees it. He, he really might make it. He really, really might make it. So he's like, 75, 25. And now he finally gets to this, to this island and he still doesn't know if he's gonna make, if he's gonna live, whatever it is. So he's got this deal with God now, you know, I'll keep 75, you get 25. That's still more than Meiser. Meiser's only 10, right? So it's still, he's still a big tzaddik. All of a sudden this big boat comes by, cruise boat, right? And they're like, oh, they see him, they're like, oh, there's a man, let's go save him, right? As he's walking up the gangplank to get on the boat, now he finally made it, he turns to God and he says, God, I don't even understand the whole deal I made with you. What do you need 25% of my money? You got the whole world. It's all yours. I'll keep 100%. Don't worry about it. <laughs> the atheist in the foxhole. Understand that? That's how, uh, that's how a person thinks. That's how we think. So, like, so, like, we, 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 so, so many times when you see that, so you make an excuse. It's not really bad. This person, you know, he may have a lot of money, but he's probably miserable, you know, and you make up this excuse. That's not a muna. Guys, that's not a muna. The question, the question, why do good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people, is a question. It's a real good question. How do we know it's a good question? Because Moshe Rabbeinu, who was the Rebbe of Klyashal, who knew all those answers, you'll see in the end it'll be good, or it's taking away from Ganeiden, from the bad guy, Hashem, you know, he knew these answers, and he still asked this question. And David HaMelech, also ask this question. Emuna means that I believe that Hashem knows what He's doing. Period. That bad happening to good people, not that in the end that bad is going to be good. That's not true Emuna. True Emuna is that even if it's bad, it's good. It's bad! Not it's not really bad. You don't know, you don't see the end of the story. It's bad! But if God's doing it, He knows what He's doing. True bitachon is not that if I say to Hillim, this lady is going to live. True bitachon is that I, when I say to Hillim, that whatever is going to happen, right, that is good, period. And if she dies, that is the will of Hashem. And the will of Hashem is good. 
Not that if I dab it, it's going to turn out good, because if that's your retalkon, your retalkon is going to get blown up during your life. Because not everything you dab it for comes true. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is no. Hashem knows all the gugulim and all the tikkunim and everything that a person has to go through. So true emuna, true emuna is that whatever happens, it's Hashem's will. And Hashem's will is good, period. Not, ooh, we have to wait 20 years and then Rebbe, we're going to have a great story because we saw at the end of the story, Gamzu Taiva. Gamzu Taiva, right, was Ish Gamzu, who was on a very high level. That this is also good. This is also good, that everything is good. But not that the story is going to end up that Prince Charming gets the princess. Not, it doesn't, the, the book, it, the Torah book doesn't always end that way. That if, the, if Prince Charming doesn't get the princess, that's good! Because that's the will of Hashem, because that's how He created the world, and that's what's supposed to happen. That, that's true emuna. The, the chayk, the thing that bothers us in our life, is that many times, now let's forget about looking at other people, looking at ourselves, many times we change, and we do something good, and then we get it over the head. And we're like, I don't understand Hashem. I, I, I change, and I'm doing the right thing, and my life is getting worse. And a person has to understand that if he has true emuna, he doesn't ask that question. He doesn't ask that question, because the same God, I'll tell you something that Rabbi Shem Shem Pinker says, there's a very interesting, deep meaning in emuna. For this alone, what I'm about to tell you, Mamash, the whole shear is, the whole shear is worth it tonight. He said like this, and, and, and I think that every person can use this to help you get through life. He said, I'll tell you what a moon is. He said, the moon is the reaction of a relationship. What comes first? Belief in God or relationship with God? What comes first? The belief in a person if you, of your wife, believing in your wife, and your wife believing in you, does that come first, or does the relationship come first? Does the believing in the person bring the relationship, or does the relationship of, of the two people bring the trust and the belief? It's, called, it's trust. We'll use the word trust. So, of course, we all know that the, the, the relationship brings the trust. I don't trust you till I know you. I don't, I, why should I trust you? How have you proven, have you shown me any trust whatsoever? So, to get to Amun and Hashem, you can't just walk into the room. I believe, that's a different religion. I believe. You got 10,000 people in a room. The priest gets up. I believe. They're like, I believe. You don't believe nothing. You don't believe nothing. You can't believe in God because some guy gets up and you got the choir going, Hallelujah. And you know, I believe that. No. That's baloney. That's, that's gospel. That's gospel. Judaism is such a beautiful shit he gives. I should, I should really, I should even give a shit tonight. I should have just plugged in a shimshin. Jewish religion, belief, emuna, is a relationship. It's not just walking around, I believe in Hashem. If you don't have a relationship with Hashem, you don't believe in Hashem. And, and I hate to tell you this, you know, there are a lot of people that think they believe in Hashem. I'll take you apart and show you you don't believe in Hashem. Because you don't have a relationship. You don't have a relationship with Hashem. You don't believe in Him. It's baloney. It's words. I believe. Yeah, you believe. There are people that walk around. I believe there are Martians. I know some guys that walk around. I believe in UFOs. Right? I believe in the Democratic Republic. I believe. That's not a belief. 
Real emuna is a relationship. Now, what do I mean by that? I'll, I'll explain to you what I mean by that. This guy has is very close to his father. His father, he's a Ben Yachid, he's the only kid in the house. This man has one child. He loves this kid. He can't do enough for this kid. Whatever this kid thinks he wants, his father gives him. That's the relationship they have. An unbelievable relationship. And they go out to eat every Thursday night. And and they hang out together. And whatever the kid wants, you know, Dad, Dad tonight let's have lamb chops. Lamb chops. You want to make a barbecue? Barbecue. Franks. Franks. What an unbelievable relationship. The two of them, they play ball together. They learn together. They eat together. They schmooze together. It's everybody's dream. It's every father's dream to have such a relationship with his son. And it's every son's dream to have such a relationship with his father. So, this boy tells his friend, nobody in the world has got a dad like mine. Right? I want you to meet my father. Fine. They come home. He's got his friend with him. And they just came inside from playing ball. And on the kitchen, ta- on the kitchen counter is a huge cup of water. And this kid, right, who's so close to his father, walks in. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm so thirsty, Dad. And he reaches for that cup to take a drink. And his father smacks his hand. And this other kid's like, whoa. And he's like, Dad, Dad, I'm thirsty. I want water. He says, get out of the kitchen now and don't you touch that water. The kid's like, what? Right? So the other kid, the other kid who sees it says, oh, yeah, good relation with your dad. That's really nice. Your father's a miser. He doesn't even give you water. What kind of relationship? What, 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 kind, of, what kind of dysfunctional family are you in? What kind of abuse is this? Kid walks out. He's not a stupid kid. He says to himself, what is going on here? What's going on here? My father gives me everything. We love each other. We talk. We play ball together. A glass of water. He buys me lamb chops. He buys me steaks. He takes me out to eat. He even gets me sushi. A glass of water? Something's very wrong. And he tells this to his friend. And his friend's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just trying to make your father look good. Your father is a miser. He's a miserable man. I am so happy. And the, and the friend goes home. He's like, I thought my parents were out of their minds. Your father is one sicko. And he leaves. The kid's like, this doesn't make sense. Goes back in. He says, Dad, what was up with that smack? His father said, are you kidding me? Do you know what was in that cup? Boric acid. Boric acid. If it touches your lips, you have no lips. If it goes down your throat, you have no throat. It'll just melt you like... He says, boric acid? He says, yeah. And you were about to put that in your mouth. So of course I smacked your hand. So what do you have boric acid? Whatever, cockroaches, this and that, whatever. Use boric acid. It's not important. Not important what it was there for. One kid went home. And he saw this picture. It's very important in life. One kid went home. And he saw this picture of a man smacking his kid's hand. What a miser father. What a terrible father. And the reason, listen carefully to what I'm telling you boys, because I never gave this shit before. This is so important. And the reason that this boy went home and told everybody that Chaim's father, the guy's a miser. The guy doesn't even give his kid water. Was because Chaim's friend had no relationship with Chaim's father. There's no relationship. So if there's no relationship, there's no trust. But since Chaim had a relationship with his father, and they were very, very close, 
And he was a man that always gave him everything. And he understood that. So when his father smacked his hand, he understood there's something going on here. There's something wrong. Where did that knowledge that there was something wrong come from? Amuna? No. From a relationship. The relationship with Hashem brings the Amuna. So now, now you can understand what Amuna really is. And this is what Rav Shimshin says. So Rav Shimshin of Pincus was a very poor guy. And he had an old, we call yeshiva car. An old, broken down car. You had to put a pen in the carburetor. You know, it chugged and it chugged and it died and it chugged. An old car. So he said, one day, he thought to himself, I don't understand. I give shiurim all over the place. I, he, he worked very much in Kirov. I am a car of a lot of people. Why is Hashem being such a miser? Why do you give me such a... Why don't I have a BMW? Why don't I have a Mercedes? Why don't I have a sports car? Why do I have an old jalopy yeshiva car? He said, but then I looked around and I said to myself... Hashem's a miser. Hashem's a miser. He doesn't like to share. He said, but then I looked around on the West Side Highway while my jalopy was put-putting and a Porsche zooms by and a Beamer zooms by and a Rolls Royce zooms by. And I'm thinking to myself, Hashem's not a miser. Hashem gives Porsches. Hashem gives BMWs. If you go to Florida, Hashem gives a lot of Cadillacs out because all the old people are driving Cadillacs, right? So, if you know your father gives this all out and you're not getting one, must be that for you that is not good. If there were no cars in the world and you had the only car and it was an old car, Hashem is a miser. He doesn't give. He's cheap. But if you have a relationship with Hashem and you know that he, there's millions of cars, for some reason I don't have it, then I understand that it's, it's boric acid for me. For some reason, it's boric acid for me. So he said, the same thing with money. This guy, there are guys in this room that you're working your brains out and you're getting $8 an hour. You're getting $10 an hour. So what's wrong with God? He's a miser. He pays $10 an hour. Right? Not zello fear. What are you doing to me, Hashem? You are cheap. You pay ten dollars an hour. But there are guys on Wall Street, and there are physical therapists and speech therapists that are making ninety dollars an hour. So God gives out money. And there are very rich people out there. So God gives out money. So if He slaps your hand and He tells you you can't touch that money, that means that that money is not good for you. But the first you have to develop the relationship. Because if, you're, if you don't have a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then you're the other kid that walked out and said, oh my God, the man's a miser. The man doesn't give anything. So if you, if you don't have a relationship with Hashem, and you see all the pain in the world, and part of the pain in the world you see is yours, it's your pain, so you're saying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, why? Bad, to, bad things happen to good people. And why do good things happen to bad people? You're asking that question. You know where that question's coming from, boys? That question's coming from because you don't have a relationship. 
Because if your father gives you a patch and you're like, Tati, why are you hitting? I'm a good boy. I love you. We, we got this great relationship. Why is a bad thing happening to a, to a good person? The answer is, if our relationship is always good and all of a sudden my hand's getting smacked, and that's what I always say in Chinuch, you can't criticize a kid, you can't criticize a student until you show him that you love him. And until I prepared this shir, until I heard of Shimshin's shir, so I, so I, I understood the Rambam. The Rambam says, what's chinuch? Chinuch is hug him with one hand, smack him with the other. The Rambam says, which is very true. It doesn't mean smack physically. It means criticize, which is very true. You don't have a right. If, if, if there's a guy in this chasrashalm, in this room that smokes on Shabbos, if I have a relationship with that guy, you're in my shir for a year, we went out to eat, we know each other, and then I find out that this guy smokes on Shabbos, then I have a right, because I have a relationship with him, I have a right to call him over and say, what the heck are you doing? What is wrong with you? I have a right to say that, because we have a relationship, and I, and I put a lot of positive, positive stuff into this relationship. But if I meet a kid that I never met before in my life, and he's on Ocean Parkway, and he's smoking, I can't walk up to him and say, Ugh, disgusting. You're gonna burn. <laughs> Don't have a right to say it. Because, because I'm giving him the smack before I'm giving him the hug. You don't have the right to criticize someone until you hug him. Why? Because if you don't have a relationship with that person, that person doesn't trust you. If I, if I get up here and criticize a guy in my class for doing something, or I criticize all of you for something, right? You're not gonna, you're gonna be here next week. You're gonna come back, no matter what I say. Why? Because we have, we have a relationship. We're learning together for some of you ten years, some of you six years, some of you five years. There's a relationship between the two of us. So I have a right, because we have this relationship, and you have a right to say something to me. But you can't come up to me in the street and say, Wallerstein, right, like that kid did to me, right, uh, when I spoke in Queens, and this kid after I went to Shul to Dov, and I walked out, he goes, are you Rabbi Wallerstein? I'm like, yeah, and he's like, so why don't you have a beard if you're a rabbi? <laughs> I'm like, and who, yeah, you were there, yeah. I went to Davin, and I walked out of Shul, and these two guys, these two kids in, 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 in Shari Torah, these two kids, like, the whole time I was davening, they had those goo-goo eyes, you know, like, they were watching me the whole time. I'm like, Torah anytime, these are Queens kids, they probably watch me every Saturday night, and they're like, Wallerstein's here, you know, and nobody knows, because he's not speaking. So when I came out of Davin, this guy's like, could I ask you something chutzpah he previewed? Can I ask you something chutzpah I'm like, sure, that sounds good, right? <laughs> You're a Makubal, aren't you? I'm like, who told you? <laughs> okay, I'm going to make believe I'm going into my car, but it's not really my car. I really use a carpet. That's how I go from one place to the other, but don't tell anyone. He's like, no, no, really, you're a Makubal. I'm like, I'm not a Makubal. Well, you're a big Makubal, and we watch you every Saturday night on Torah anytime in Beit Gavriel. And I'm like, feeling really good about myself at that moment, right? Like, yeah. And the guy, then he says, well, can I ask you something chutzpah And I'm like, what could he ask me? He's a kid, right? He's like, if you're such a big rabbi, why don't you have a beard? I'm like, I'm not answering this kid. Right? But I felt bad, whatever it is. I told him maybe I should. But what do you mean, you, maybe you should? If you feel that like you should, you always say by your speeches that, whatever, the kid, he gave me a whole schmooze, the guy, right? So, he doesn't have a right to do that. So anyone in this year has a right to do that. 
You have a right to tell me after sitting in my shift for four years and listening to me, you have a right to walk over to me and say, Rebbe, put your hand on my shoulder. You know, Rebbe, I love you very much. I respect you very much. But it just bothers me. How can, how can, how can we have a group beer? No problem. We'll sit and talk a whole night about it. You have a right to ask me that question. You know why? Because we have a relationship. We have a relationship. So you trust me and I trust you. So when you criticize me, if you're asking me why don't I, I'm just giving an example of beard. If that's your criticism, then then I know that's coming from the right place. I know that you really you really want me to do something better for myself. But if I don't have a relationship with you, you're going to come up to me, hey, Rabbi, why did you have a beard? Get out of my life. <laughs> so you walk up to a kid who's smoking a cigarette and you don't have a relationship with him and you start screaming at him. The Rabbi says you can't do that. You can't do that. You first have to give him a hug. You give him a hug, you have a right to give him a patch. We are all hugged from Hashem all the time. Hashem gives us life. God gives us life. God gives us, gives us wisdom. God gives us the ability to think and to see and to hear and to speak and to taste and to smell. Take any one of those things away from you and you go out of your mind. He gives us all to us. That's to build a relationship. That's the give. So that when he takes, you're not the guy who walks out of the room and says, miser, miserable, I don't understand. You, sh- you turn around and say, Hashem, we have such a good relationship. Must be that whatever that is you took away from me, because until now you d- you're giving me all this, must be it's not good for you. Whatever it is, you're my tati and we have this relationship. I trust you. That's emuna. That's bitachah. That's the real emuna and bitachah. And therefore... The relationship between a person and God has to come before the belief. The other belief is stories. When it comes down to it, you're not going to. You're not going to. You're not going to be there. You're not going to be able to do it. You have to develop a relationship. Now, how do you develop a relationship? Oh, hi God, give me a hug. <coughs> Wrong religion, right? Well, you know, you have to smoke up a lot to believe that God's giving you a hug. So we don't want you to do that. So, so how do you know that Hashem loves me? Like this all goes back. To Zoe's Kukasatira. So, what 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 the what Rashi is telling us over here? Listen carefully. This is the end of my share, and this is the point that I'm trying to make tonight. Gizera, <coughs> Hashem says it's a, how do you say Gizera in English? Uh, an edict, a decree. Hashem says it's a decree that you cannot think about this chayk. If you have a relationship with your father, I had a very good relationship with my father, Baruch Hashem. And I was very, very close to him. So the question is like this. When he slapped your hand, when you went for that cup of water, what was your immediate reaction? Was your immediate reaction, oh my goodness, there's something wrong with that water? Was that your immediate reaction? Or, was your immediate reaction, wow, I can't believe my father did that. I need to know if there is something wrong with that water, what is wrong with that water? And these are two very different reactions. The second reaction that I told you is what Rashi is talking about over here. Thinking, trying to figure out why this person died, why this person lost their money, why this person has a disease, why this is going on, and trying to figure out why my father slapped my hand. Now, that's still better than the guy who walked out and said, that's a miserable man. That guy has no emuna. But, but 
the, the person that I'm talking about right now that says, why did my father do that? I need to find out the reason. What's going on over here? That's not such a high level of amur. The real amur is that the minute he slaps my hand, I'm like, something's wrong with the water. That's it. Not to something about my father. I got to think about this. What's going on over here? Let's check it out. That the minute that, that I'm so close to him, that I know if my father slaps my hand, I don't got to start thinking about it. I know that he did it to save me. So the gzera here is that if you have to think why, where, show me, I don't understand, why'd you do it? It's already something that the goyim and the satan, if that's your level of belief, they're able to get in there and they're able to turn you around and they're able to, 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 to make you into an apikyrus. But if your belief is, the tyrus says that the same ashes that makes one person pure makes someone else impure. I don't, I don't need to know why. Because that's my tati. Because Hashem's my tati. And if my tati says these ashes, and you have to understand a kayin, I'm a kayin. A kayin, tumor is the scariest thing for us. Because you're in the base Hamikdash one week or two weeks, a whole year. That's it. You're Mishmar. That's it. It's the whole thing. So here comes this guy who decided to get Tomei. Oh, Wallace, you're a Kayan. Could you like sprinkle the ashes on me? I'm like, are you crazy? I'm the guy you want. I finally got here. I want to eat some lechem upon him. I want to do some avayda. You have to pick me out of, of, of thousands of kahanim. You're going to mess me up this week. Right? And the answer is, of course. What's the Shiloh? It, it, it's, it's the same Avoidah. Listen carefully. It's the same Avoidah, me becoming Tomei as a Kayin. It's the same Avoidah as bringing a carbon, as bringing Ketores, as walking into the base of Migdash and doing all the Avoidah. The same Avoidah is sprinkling on this guy, on this guy ashes and me becoming Tomei. Same Avoidah. Why? Because I have a relationship with Hashem. If Hashem says, become Tomei, there's no difference. There's no questions. When he tells me to become Tomei, it's the same as he tells me to become Tahar. When he tells me, you can't bring a carbon, it's the same thing he tells me I could bring a carbon. That's Emuna. And I'll repeat to you, and I'll end with this, this story, which I, uh, everyone here knows the story, but that's Mamish, this story, with the toilet, in, 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 the, in the jail cell. It's Mamish, this story. It's, it's the story of two brothers... Right? It's a famous story, and I said it here once. It's, it's, I'm not going to get up and do the whole act tonight. I'll just tell, I'll tell it to you in two minutes. Right? I can tell it to you in two hours. I'll tell you in two minutes. It's Mamish that story. That's, that's what Rashi's talking about over here. That's what this whole shir is talking about over here. The Noyim Elimelech. There were two brothers, Elimelech and Zisha. You know, a lot of people go to Blazinsk, right? When, on, on, their, on their yard site. These two brothers were Oivdi Hashem, were Bale Emuna. And the Polish, I don't know what they, what they, what they accused them of, a blood libel, whatever it was, they threw them into a jail cell. And in this jail cell, the jail cell was a three by three, a teeny little jail cell. Three, by, three feet by three feet. And in this jail cell was a bunch of goyim. And in this jail cell was a, you didn't have a bathroom, you had a pail. And everybody would go into the pail. That's how they'd go to the toilet. Into the pail. So when these two brothers, when the, when the Noim Elimelech, when Elimelech and Zisha were thrown into this room, Elimelech, you know, stood there, and, and, and Zisha, his brother, was laying on the floor crying uncontrollably. So Elimelech got up and he walked over to his brother Zisha. He said, Zisha, what are you doing? He said, Hashem, there are Goyim in here. It looks like you're not accepting the Xerah that we put into this jail. Get yourself up, stop crying. 
Zisha turned out tonight to name Alexa. What are you talking about? You know why I'm crying? You see that, that pail in the corner with all that human waste? We're not allowed to learn in here. Because our luck is that you're not allowed to learn a daven within eight feet, within four hours, within eight feet of a toilet. She says, we're stuck in here for life and with a toilet. We can't learn. We can't daven. And we can't even think of Torah. That's not a reason to cry. You're talking about the two gedolim of Kaisrael. For the rest of their lives, they can't say shalom. They can't say good Shabbos. They can't say Hebrew words. There's a toilet. They're in a bathroom. The toilet. So, the Noyim Ali Melech turns to his brother Zish and he said, calm down. He says, think about this. He says, there's a halal, right? We know we're not, we can't, we can't do anything in this room, right? He said, how many Jews do you think are keeping this law right now that you, that you can't learn in, in the bathroom? You go to the bathroom for two minutes and you leave. He says, we are stuck in here for the rest of our lives all the time, 24-7. We'll be keeping the halal on the mitzvah. You can't learn, daven, or think of Torah in a bathroom. That means that every second for the rest of our lives we're doing a mitzvah. We are so lucky. And Rav Zisha said, I didn't think of it that way. And Elimelech took the toilet off the hook, right, or wherever it was, and he started to dance with the, with, the, with the human waste in this pan. He started to dance around the room. How lucky we are! How lucky we are! And Zisha and him start dancing in the middle of the room with this toilet, and they're handing it to each other. <laughs> because we can't learn we can't learn and they didn't want to you know they, they didn't want to think about learning by accident so as long as they're handing the toilet to each other they're not going to be thinking about learning right and they're so happy and the goyim right the goyim in the room the Polish goyim they're, they're in there and they're like you know these two are great rabbis and we know that that when God attacked the uh, the, the Mitzrayim the Egyptians so whoever joined the Jews was saved you know probably God's going to come into the cell here and save these two rabbis if we join them, maybe God will have pity on us. So within 10, 15 minutes of these two Jews dancing in the middle of a cell, of, of a cell with a pail of, of human waste, right? Um, the Polish goyim start dancing with them. And all of a sudden, you have this little teeny cell with these two rabbis passing the toilet to the Polish goyim who are passing it to each other, who are passing it to the rabbis. Everyone's dancing. What a toilet. The guard outside, the anti-Semite-Polish guy, right? He's outside. What's going on in his cell? There's a party! The party in the cell! Opens the door. He never saw such a sight. The Jews are in the middle of the room, holding the, the steel pail of, 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 of human waste, right? And, 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 and everyone's dancing around them. So he, he, he pulls over one of the guys and he says... What are you guys doing? What is this? Some kind of ritual? So the Polish girl goes, I don't know. But they must pray using a toilet because they were very quiet. One of them was crying. And then all of a sudden, one of them took this pail of, of dew and, and, and started to dance. And then the other one started to dance. So we started to dance. So the Jews, you know, they're weird. And, <laughs> and they must pray to God with human waste. So this Polish girl said, yeah. I'll teach them a lesson. <coughs> and he rips out the the, 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 the the toilet from Zisha's hands. He takes it outside. He dumps it out. He washes it. He steel rolls it. He makes sure that there's not one drop of human waste left in that pail. Comes walking in, walks up to Zisha, says, Now go pray, man! Nothing. You don't have anything in here to pray with. I didn't leave one drop 
And he turns around to, it's a true story. This is written, they wrote it, uh, uh, he wrote it to Naim Ali Malch. It's a true story. And he turns around to all the, all the, the this, this Polish guard, turns around to all the Goyim, and he says, any person who makes into this, who, who makes this, not a word you should be using, but whatever, who does what he has to do into this pail, immediately, when you're finished, you bring it to the door and I'm going to wash it out. These Jews are not going to pray again. And he puts the pail down, storms out of the room, slams the door. And Azisha looks at the name Elimelech. And they look up to Shemayin, the two of them. And they start to dance in the middle of the room. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Now we can dive in. Now we can learn. The name Elimelech turned to his brother Zisha. And he said, if you think that we're closer to Hashem now when we're davening and saying Shema Yisrael than we were an hour ago when we couldn't daven you're making a big mistake you serve Hashem in every single way you serve Hashem in good times and in bad times in mitzvahs I say things that you can do and things that you can't do how how did those two how, how did that happen? And the answer is that, that, that Rav Zisha and the Noem Ali Melech had a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So thrown into a prison in a little teeny room where you couldn't pray and you couldn't learn with a bunch of goyim and a toilet, they were just as happy because the relationship with Tati, with Tati is that when I get a smack on my hand, it's not why, if, what. I want to know why. I got to see the end of the story. It's thank you. Tati wouldn't smack me if he didn't have to. Because I have a relationship with Tati and I know him. And therefore I know he's not a miser. And he's not a person who's not a, a, a creator that's here to give me pain. So I, I think what we, we need to get out of this year, and that's the first Rashi. Don't think, Rashi says, Xer Hashem says, don't try to think into the good and the bad and bad and good. Because if you think into it means you don't have a relationship with me. If you have to think into it, then you're that kid that walked out. He's a miser. I don't understand. It's about what's going on. If you have to think about it, then the relationship isn't there. If the relationship is there, you don't have to think about it. And that's something the Goyim will always bother us. And that's something the Satan will always bother us. You want to you wanna believe in God? They don't mind. They don't mind. The Christians believe in God. The Muslims believe in God. They don't mind that the Jews believe in God. They don't have a problem. The Yavanin, the Greeks, had no problem that we believe in God. No problem. Haman had no problem that we believe in God. God? They also believed in God. They believed in Hercules and this and that. They also believed in God. Zeus, whatever they called, they had another name for him. What bothers them? Why are they trying to kill us all the time? Because we're called, what are we called? We are called the children of God. Children of God is not a belief in God. Children of God is a relationship. A child is a relationship. The Mishnah says, There's a relationship between the Jewish nation and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We're not Avadim. We're not Avadim. You know, I don't like to use the word, we serve God. No one ever says, you serve your parents. 
You serve your parents? You don't serve your, you serve them a meal, but you don't serve your parents. We are much higher than that. We are the children of God. Children is relationship. That they don't want, that they don't go for. That they don't go for. Your, your relative to Hashem? Not only they don't go for it, but they look at it as blasphemy. Christianity, Christianity, hi, there's some Noahites that watch my share. Hi, Noahites. Um, they keep the Shevet Mitzvah Noach. I'm serious. Um, Christianity believes that God is such a high being that we as humans, He created us, and then He went, I don't know, to play golf. I don't know what they think. Right? He created us, and He went somewhere. I don't know where He went. And then He had to... We can't have, you can't have a relationship, a relationship. You can believe in God, but we're, we're, we're so far from God, you can't have a relationship. So he sent down his son, whatever they want to call him, the Holy Ghost, whatever he's at. And, and, and God is on a different level. So it's sort of blasphemous that the Jews walk around. I'm the son of God. Like, you know, like we have this relationship. You guys have Sukkis and Purim and Hanukkah and Shabbos. Like, who do you think you are? You have a relationship with God? That's disgusting. That's blasphemy. You're humans. You're a bunch of humans. How dare you even think you have a relationship with God? No, God has to have an, uh, someone in between. And the same thing with the Muslims. You have to have a prophet in between. Shem said Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu was a Navi. He's going to die like a human being. There's, no, there's nothing between me and Klai Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't between Hashem and Klai Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu was a Navi. Shem doesn't need anything between him and us. He doesn't need anything in between. We are Banamatom Hashem. You know what? The world is jealous of the Jew. Not that we have God. Christianity has God. Muslims have God. There are other religions that have God. Even the Indians believe there's some kind of being that's what they call it, chi, whatever you want to call it. The Chinese, chi, me, we, whatever they want to call it. But there's, there's some kind of being that's all spirit and all that. They, they have, but nobody, no religion, no religion has a relationship with Hashem. Even the, 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 the Baptist Christians believe that they're the chosen nation. They are the children of God. The children of God is a relationship. The guy are not walking around, I'm the children of God. I believe in God. I serve God. I go to church. But we're not like that. We're, we're, we have Shabbos. And we have Yontif. And we have a relationship. And we talk to Hashem one-on-one. Anytime we want. One-on-one. No sweat, no problem. To them, that's chutzpah. It's chutzpah. Who are you? Talk to God. What do you think you are? And therefore, they don't have a muna and they don't have bitachan. And muna and bitachan come from that you understand that we are we have a relationship with Hashem. So, if you want to get, if you want to have true emuna and Hashem, you need to develop this relationship with Hakadosh Baruch Hu. How do you develop the relationship with Hakadosh Baruch Hu? By looking at all the things that he gives you and understanding that if he gives the whole world the BMW, he doesn't give it to you, there's a reason. If he gives other people millions of dollars, he doesn't give it to you, there's a reason. If, if your friends are all married and you're not, there's a reason. He has plenty of girls for you to marry. He knows how to make shiduchim. So if a lot of other people get married and millions of people get married and you don't, so it's the smack on the hand, so to say, it's okay. I don't need to start figuring it's a tikkun, it's this, and, 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 and Rabbi Walsh said, maybe she wasn't born yet, maybe she's like, 
19 years younger than me, or maybe she's becoming about Shuva while I'm waiting. That's already on a much lower level. It's on a much lower level. That's after getting a hand smack, going back into the kitchen and, is it acid? What's wrong with this water? Are there bugs in it? If you have to go back in the kitchen to look at what's going on, then the relationship between you and your father ain't there. If you don't have to go and you're like, you walk out and you tell your friend, let me tell you something, my father smacked me, that's acid or vinegar. There's something in that cup he don't want me to have. I don't need to know what. That's the ultimate. That's the ultimate amuna, and that comes from making a relationship. So, Mashiach is close. There's nothing to talk about. There are all the signs. And the test, the test, guys, at the end of time, that's going to be who's going to make it and who's not, is going to be Imuna and Hashem. That's what it says. There are going to be things that we're going to see in this world that we're going to have so many questions. The Holocaust. So many questions. If you have so many questions, you do not have a good relationship. The more questions you have, the worse your relationship is. So, this is my argument in, in there's two thoughts of, of, of bringing Jews close, of making Jews from. One is the brainy part of proving God. Right, there's a yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael that does that, logical proofs of God. And there are many different proofs, and you can go online, there's many, many different proofs. And that's the bitachon of, why did you smack my hand? And I'll prove to you why Hashem does these things. And, but the other, the other way of, of doing it is, is through first creating the relationship, and automatically, once there's a relationship, the bitachon follows. I don't, I can't always tell you that bitachon, that relationship follow, that relationship follows belief. But I can always tell you that belief follows relationship. You have a good, you have a good relationship with your wife, you trust her. I can't always tell you you trust your wife, you're gonna have a good relationship. Doesn't always work. You, you may trust her, but I have other things. If you have a good relationship with a person, then all the things come in. Everything comes. All the, all the other things come in. So the thing you need to develop is your relationship with Hashem. The way to develop your relationship with Hashem is to understand that Kosh Baruch Hu is not a miser, and he gives life, and he gives health, and he gives vision, and he gives everything. And if you don't have something, then then there's a reason, and you don't need to reason. You don't need to know the reason. You don't need to know the reason. If you have a real moon, I don't need to know because I know you love me. If you smacked me, I had it coming to me. The kid that says, "Why you smack me? Why you do that? I didn't deserve it. Prove to me why you punished me." That kid has not a good relationship with his parents. If a kid gets punished and he says, Mom, if you punished me, my mother never punishes me. If my mother punished me, oh baby, I must have done something. That's Amuna. That's relationship. May we all have the schos and bizaycha to have a fantastic relationship with Akash Baruch that will bring us to the true Amuna, which will help us get to Mishnah. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.